Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I mean, three or four years we've been doing this. I yeah. think it's the first time we've both arrived with no sleeves. I know, right? I'm wearing just At least a plain T-shirt sleeves. today. Yeah. Florio got on me. He's like, what, are you just going to wear a T-shirt? He's like, it doesn't even have a pocket on it. I was like, well, it's a designer T-shirt. I'm not like, it's not like some piece of crap I put right? on. And it's summer. And you it's can nice. wear a black T-shirt anywhere. I Pretty much. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. I mean, if he can wear a, like a zip-up sweatshirt on in, the show. In mid-May. Yeah, that's what he'll do. He'll, like, tomorrow, he'll wear a sweatshirt. He's going to get on me about my damn T-shirt today. That wasn't a scene from Step Brothers where they're wearing the same thing and they end up <laughs> I love it. taking a photo together. It is Zip Up Thursday. My black PFT Zip Up, I couldn't find it this morning. How I forgot to you? wash it. How I dare forgot to you? wash it. Well, what's, that's never stopped you before, washing it. That's never stopped you. <laughs> I think I wore it to the barn one night when cigars were being smoked. So, especially this morning. Full disclosure, I don't think I'm going to pull a Chris Sims Scouting Combine 2020 and throw up on the air. But, but, I'll tell you the story. 1.30 a.m., my wife, deathly sick, thought about taking her to the hospital. That's how sick she was. Was unable to actually do anything about it from either end, but was laying on the floor in the bathroom, just writhing in pain, horrible stomach pain, all over body pain. And after an hour... She finally got back into bed, and and she was better. As far right. as I know, she's she's better now. Right. Um, I got up at six thirty, and because because she was like, "Well, do you, are you okay? Because was it something we ate? I don't know what's wrong with me. Was it something we ate?" It's like, "No, I'm fine. I'm fine. No, it's nothing we ate." Oh, hey, hey, hey. Oh, maybe it was something we ate because uh, Mikey's feeling it this morning. But the show must go on. Now, full disclosure, there's a chance it may only go on for an hour, and we're just going to rerun the, the first hour and the second hour because I am feeling it. Um, but good morning, Chris. <laughs> Talk a little bit because I am yeah, feeling I'm it I'm sorry. Right now. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, that's that's tough. Uh, I, I really I do feel for you. I've been there with you uh, or, or been there in the same position. So um, whatever you got to do, man. Again, I mean, if you need to go walk down the stairs and go to bed, that's fine. I can hold it down and 
try to talk. Oh, bed's bed's not the destination. Well, no, you're gonna go. Bed, couch is, bed or... is not. Bed, no, no. Next, next to no. toilet floor is that where we're going? Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. The bed and couch do not have the receptacle that I would I would be needing if it comes to that. But it's gonna it's gonna be like waves. I think it's gonna come and go. But for now, let's just push through it. The show must go on. I did the show on radio only thanksgiving day and then the day after 2017 and i had some sort of flu and it was easier because there's no camera i talked for 13 minutes and then i actually like fall asleep during the breaks and art the the engineer in culver city would have to like say hey we're coming back in 30 seconds and i'd wake up and do the next segment and just fight through it so this is the first time since then where it's been hold the rope and get through it. But we're going to hold the rope and we're going to get through because there's still stuff going on in the NFL. There there's is. plenty of stuff to get to. And good morning. Yeah, yeah. Nice to know you're actually wearing a shirt with buttons or zippers on it today. Thank you. Yes. Yep. Uh, just trying to you know look professional for Mike Florio. I talk about you a lot on my podcast. I don't know how much you know. Maybe that, I need but... to. No, I yeah, don't. Maybe don't I need, need to. Maybe I need to stop ignoring it. Yeah. <laughs> paying attention. You. Yeah. No. See I'm what gonna... they're saying about me. I block out the noise. I'm going to say F U T V while I also block out <laughs> yeah. the noise. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. I always bring you up. I mean, how could I not? I mean, we, we talk about so much football and sometimes just cross over on the podcast and you know, I bring up points you make. I make fun of you a little every now and then I make fun of myself and uh, you're always, you're always kind of on the mind there as far as football full disclosure. Yeah. Full disclosure. I do radio spots all across the country. And I will talk about, you know, if it'll be topics that we had discussed right. a half hour, an hour, an hour and a half earlier. And if you made some good point on the rare days that you do, I will credit you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I do the same thing. I do. I, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. We, we make and I just say Sims. Way. I'm sure the people in Chicago or wherever want to the Sims. Which Sims? Uh, so maybe I should say your first well, maybe name, I'll, too. I, well, maybe I got, I've overtaken them. Yeah, I was like, damn, that's kind of cool. cool. Maybe like I, when you say Sims, people might know it's me finally. I might not be little Phil or Phil Jr. or, you know, that kid's son. <laughs> I got chastised once in an email from a viewer, not a viewer, but a reader. Right. Because I mentioned something that we talked about on the show, and I just referred to you as Sims. And I got the full explanation. I that a little. If yeah. you're going to be a real journalist, you have to give the full name of the person you're referring to. It's like, well, first of all, I'm not a real journalist. <laughs> Why did it take you anything like that to figure it out? But secondly, if you pay any attention to what we do, you know who Sims is. So yeah. anyway, uh, I, I good morning. used to... I used to on like the W just a real quick story. Like before I joined forces with you here at NBC, I used to do a lot of stuff for, you know, the fan in New York city, WFAN. And people would call in and ask questions about my dad. Hey, you know, Chris, you brought your dad and blah, 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 blah. So then when I would tell stories about my dad, I would call him dad on the air and be like, you know, dad always, and dad, dad, dad. And then people started to get on me. Like, why do you call him dad? Like, we're supposed to know. And I'm like, well, because you ask me questions. We know who we're talking about. So I never understood that. But, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. Like, just, it's, 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 you can't explain it perfectly all the time. Um, all right, let's get to it. I'm right, having another wave here. Uh, Eagles, baby. Fly, Eagles. Eagles, fly. Well, you know, I had I had Howie Roseman on PFTPM last week, and there was a question from a fan, basically, what number is James Bradbury going to wear? So I asked him, what number is James Bradbury going to wear? And we had a laugh about it, and he said all the things that they always say, can't rule anything out, you never know what you're going to do, and we consider all options. And 
Apparently they were considering James Bradbury because they have signed him. One-year deal with the Eagles. Now, of course, this is the the time where people say it's $10 million. I've seen $7 million, up to $10 million, whatever it may be, is what it is. They got him from the Giants. Giants cut him because they were looking at a big cap number and a big salary. A guy who, as you said, when Bradbury was cut, wasn't living up to number one corner money. Yeah, so the Giants player. had to do right. something. Right. But but he can still add something to a team. Definitely. He's a good player. There's no question about it. You know, I, I think more what stinks about situations sometimes like James Bradbury is that it's not his fault. You know, I think that's one where you can go, he, he was overpaid. It was a bad deal by the Giants and Dave Gettleman and company. So that's really the issue. I don't think anybody was going to pay him that kind of money other than the Giants. So, yes, I think this is a little bit, you know, probably a little less than he should make now because it's late in the game there. And as we've talked about, a lot of money's used up. But damn, but damn, 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 damn. I mean, the Eagles, Howie Roseman, he's just, I don't know what else to say. He's killing it. He really is. The Eagles on paper are the best team in the NFC East. And let alone, yeah, they went to the playoffs last year. And out of all the teams in the NFC East, I think they've improved their team the most. You know, and 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 you know, I think between them and Dallas last year, towards the end of the year, when Philly finally figured out how to play, and if everybody will remember, Dallas was kind of, you know, all over the place towards the end of the season. We were questioning what's wrong with Dak. Why isn't the offense good? Why is the defense scoring as many touchdowns as the offense? Remember, we were having those conversations. And, man, I just think Howie, uh, Sirianni, they're, they're making big-time moves there. And you look at their roster and you just go, where is there really a weakness? I know it's on paper, but we, like I said, we saw a lot of this last year. You just there, There's really a, a really well-constructed roster when you look at it. You know, we talked about this the other day, the idea that in Miami it feels like they're trying to eliminate all excuses for Tua and it necessarily puts pressure on him. In Philly, it's a similar circumstance, but I feel like they genuinely are trying to build around him on both sides of the ball to give Hurts the chance to develop into the franchise quarterback that they have been searching and searching and searching for. Along the way, they won a Super Bowl, but they still have been searching and searching for the next guy after Donovan McNabb. I came very close to just getting up and leaving. So you need to be ready for it to happen. Okay. I don't know what, I don't know what. Whoa, you got, comes okay. next, right? But I'm, I don't. I mean, for for me, I, I have a feeling what yeah. will come next if yeah. I actually do have to get up and leave. I don't know what come comes next for you or the audience, but it could be a wild ride today. I'm just telling you, I right, came just, very yeah. close. Don't worry. And if I have to, if I have to pull the ripcord on the emergency shoot, just do it. I'm going to do it. Don't worry. I'm going to do it. But but I'm okay right now. Okay. It, it, it comes and goes. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I know the feeling. So, uh, yeah, hey, I saw that the Eagles were plus 200 to win the NFC East. I was looking at the division odds last night. Cowboys plus 100, even money, favorites to win it. Eagles 2-1. to one. I like the Eagles. No doubt. Right now. No question. What they've done over yeah. the Cowboys. I'm not going to fall into the trap and say, well, the team that won the NFC East last year, let's just assume they're going to be good again. That hasn't been a repeat champion in the NFC East since 2004. So... The, 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 all the more reason to have faith in the Eagles being able to overcome the Cowboys this year because the Cowboys have, have not even been able to tread water with their roster this right. offseason. Right. The Eagles have gone out, and they have done what they had to do to get better. Yeah, right. The Eagles got better. The Cowboys, you can't really say they got better this offseason. No, they, they got no. worse. They got worse. What have exactly they done? Right. Yeah. yeah, they've lost some marquee players. You know, That's going to change their football team, let alone like – you know, I mean, 
hey, I think you know, there was a little bump last year, the Dan Quinn energy on that side of the ball, and, you know, we made a big deal that the defense was a lot better, but it was still, what, 20th in football, 21st in football there somewhere. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, and, and you know, the Giants, I do think, got better. There's no question about that, you know, across the board. And, of course, you know, coached well, got new coaches. That's going to add some juice to them. Washington, I think, has gotten better. So it'll be interesting. But, I like, for me, the guys sitting here, you know, end of May, I just go, clearly, for me, the Eagles are the king of the East right now. They, they are. I, I look at them, and I would be, you know, almost disappointed with this type of team. Because, like I said, I mean, you really break it down. Corner was one of the last, maybe, questions you had about the football team. And not that it was a horrible, like, issue anyways. Darius Slay, we know, is good. Avante Maddox, he's no slouch either on the other side. But now you add Bradbury to the mix, and now they can make sure Avante Maddox, Maddox stays inside at nickel a little bit more, where I think he's probably best at. And that's where you just go, wow. You know, man, oh, N'Kobe Dean, a linebacker. Okay, they might have been a little weak there. Well, they got him. You know, they're, got, they're so good right now that their roster is so deep, you look at it and go, man, they, they got stuff for the future already. Jason Kelsey's replacement, he's coming. And Cam Jurgen, they got him. I mean, they've just really well thought out, really well built. And Howie Roseman, um, you know, I don't know. The last few years, other than the Jalen Rieger pick, I, I just feel like has been making moves on his game and just a step ahead of the game compared to a lot of the GMs in football. He's really been an all-star in that, in that area. Thank you for talking as long as you did. I'm telling you, I don't know how good of a show this is going to be. I'm trying my damnedest to fight through it. You know how I am, work I ethic. I know. When you don't have any natural talent, the way you make up for it is by busting your ass each and every day. This is the one day, the only day. You can't bust your ass. You can't I just do can't it. do it. Yeah. I can't do it. All right, it's, well, it's, go. It's, get out I'm really here. feeling it. All right, get out. I don't know what to do. For, I don't know what to do for the rest of the hour. All you right, talk. Well, I'll talk. I go. Okay. I can't do it. Okay. See you Thanks, later. everybody. Later. Love Peace you. Out. Hope I live. If I live, I'll see you tomorrow. If I don't, it's been fun. It's been a shitload of fun. All see right. You. Yep, go ahead. Do your thing. Let's go. I like it. The walk-off. That's, that's what kind of show we run right here. All right? So, I mean, first off, I mean, we, hey, listen, we talked about the Eagles, you know, again. I think you look at the, the talent across the board, adding a guy like Bradbury, certainly one of those teams I look at to go watch out in the NFC. And the thing I love about them, too, and this seems to be more of the theme in the NFC, and anybody that's been listening to me and Mike the last few weeks where we got all the stars and the quarterbacks and the star power in the AFC, the Eagles might be one of those teams that I talk about. Well, the NFC's got the teams. They got Tampa, really awesome, full, complete team. The 49ers the same way. Now we got a little bit of the quarterback question. The Rams, I feel that way. I, I'm starting to feel kind of the Eagles almost in that category too. That the quarterback play is not going to have to be stellar in Philadelphia for them to be a really good football team. They're not going to be quarterback dependent to where if Jalen Hurts has to play, you know, A plus football every or or doesn't play A plus football every game that they're still going to be able to compete and win other ways. Their defensive line is going to be dominant. They're going to be able to force plays. You know, They need to get a little more creative on the defensive side, I think, in the secondary and how they play things. They're a little conservative in, in that respect. But, man, we know it's one of the best offensive lines in football. And now you got A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. I mean, that's that Quez Watkins, the other receivers, damn good. Dallas Goddard, the running backs. It's a pretty good running scheme. And then you got a quarterback that can run – 
Um, wow. Wow in Philadelphia. And, yeah, I'm expecting them to be a real, real player and a pain in the butt in the NFC. Not just this year. The way their roster is, it, that's where, as a Giant fan, I'm a little disappointed because I'm hoping the Giants will turn the corner. But, gosh, the Eagles aren't going anywhere for a few years. So, if you're an NFC East fan, we better get used to it, all right? All right, let's switch gears here, Courtney. Let's go to the uh, Minnesota Vikings. I know we, we got a new head coach there, Kevin O'Connell. Uh, excited about him. They're implementing a new defensive scheme there. So, it's a whole new regime. Eric Kendricks yesterday, he talked about this new regime. Let's hit that up and see what he has to say. The day Zimmer was fired, you had said that a fear-based organization wasn't the way to go. Can you maybe – is there a totally different vibe now from that particular – from last season and related to that? Or? Yeah, I'm not going to talk about last season really. Um, you know, it's a, it's a new year. It's a new day. Um, but, you know, what I, what I can tell you is that uh, – um, here we are, you know, we're, we're here with, with, a, with a new staff and, and new players and new defense, and, and we have this amazing opportunity ahead of us. Again, you know, every team around the league is going to have, have new, new types of situations going on for them, and um, it's an even playing field right now. You know, whatever happened last year is, is, is in the past, and we, we have to move forward. You know, we can learn from a lot of things, but um, we also have to uh, adapt and change with, with, the, with the new year, with the new plays, with the new schemes. You know, we're going to get attacked differently as well. Uh, Eric Kendricks is one of the best offense. I mean, one of the best middle linebackers in football. Uh, there, there's no question. Minnesota's a team that's you know in a little bit of a retool, re, re, refurbish the football team. It's a whole new schematical uh, approach on really both sides of the ball. So yeah, there is going to be a different look in Minnesota, and some of the things that you know on both sides of the ball. It's going to be more three-four based. So that's going to be different for Eric Kendricks. I don't believe he's ever played in a system like that. So he's going to have to read things, play a different way, and it's going to be a new culture there. The one thing I'll say, and I think Kendricks hits on, on this a little bit, and, and I think we have sight of this. We can go to, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, Courtney. You can get in my ear and tell me. Just as far as you know, uh, Kendricks talking about the new vibe with O'Connell, I do find that interesting. You know, it's it's – he saw the old guard type of coach, Mike Zimmer, who I got a ton of respect for. He's old school, you know, and, and I know Kendricks made a comment about maybe it being more fear-based, you know, with the Zimmer coaching style. All right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's been a lot of teams that have been successful winning fear-based the way Mike Zimmer coached. I mean, um, let me just think for a second. Um, oh, right, the New England Patriots. Yeah, kind of fear-based up there, kind of worked for a while. So, that that's that's the way that there is there, and then hey, he was he was Zimmer was taught by Bill Parcells, so there's a nif- different vibe there. And I think what the interesting thing is is some of these young coaches, it's not about fear based anymore. It, it's not. There's more of a upfront challenge. I'm going to be open with it and just tell you flat out like you're not doing good enough or you got to do better. And I think that's the McVeigh Shanahan. It'll be O'Connell and this crew. Nate Hackett in Denver, Mike McDaniel, you know, Robert Sala with the Jets. It's not about fear base. It's like you either got to be able to step on the pedal and go and be a part of this culture and fit in there, or we just get you out. It's not about it's, – it's a little different way, and it's cool, and I, uh, I do like to say it. Now, Kevin O'Connell, the new head coach with the Minnesota Vikings, whiz kid, offensive genius type of guy from the McVay coaching tree, 
I know he had a little had some comments here talking about his life and then adjusting to being a head coach from you know being an assistant all these years. Let's hear what he has to say. Yeah, just little things, you know, um, the clock, uh, you know, where we're going to operate on fields, how we're filming things. Just you're you're responsible for everything, and uh, you know, you you, you realize that, uh, you know, the opinions you may have had elsewhere at other times in your career about how Coach Mike Petton was running a practice. Now I don't have to go ask Coach Pett, you know, if we can change this or change that. I can just do that and uh, whatever I think is the best for, for the team. And um, and then ultimately, like, there's just times where I think it's great because I can be, you know, during those individual periods. I know we talked about it the other day, but I can literally be a part of uh, as much or as little of, of any individual as I really want to be when the coaches are teaching. And, and more importantly, just be there, be around, be visible to the defense, let them know that I'm learning uh, you know, their side of the ball just as much as they are. And, um, you know, I can compliment them on detailed things that they do within our coverages, within a pressure, how we stop the run. And, and they can look at me as not just an offensive head coach. That's really important for me uh, that the guys on defense and special teams know uh, that I'm aware. I understand some of the things, maybe the challenging things we're asking them to do. Uh, and I think it overall just helps with me connecting with every guy on the roster that they know. They know what they get from me in the team setting, standing up and standing up in front of them, but also uh, that that one-on-one uh, level of connection is huge for me, and it's something I don't take for granted. Uh, you can see from Kevin O'Connell right there. I mean, uh, you know, to the point I was trying to make there, he's uh, a little earlier before the clip. He's he's a good communicator. You know, whether it's the media with players, whatever, he's got you know the Midas touch as far as that's concerned. And I think that's what I'm excited for about, you know, the Vikings, the Viking fan base and that football team, because there's still some talented players up there. And I think the one thing that maybe sometimes gets lost in translation with, you know, the offensive coach, right? Uh, Yes, they're an offensive coach. They see the game through the offensive side. But the really good ones also understand defense to a degree where they could go over and coach the defense. And that's why they're so good at offense. McVay, Shanahan, again, McDaniel, you know, all the, the young great ones, uh, Josh McDaniels, head coach of the, the Raiders, uh, they could be defensive coordinators if he gave them a year and go, all right, now we need to go over defense and, and coach that side of the ball. That, that's how good they are. And within that, yeah, that's why he's saying he doesn't want to be viewed just as an offensive coach. Sure, he's going to coach, coach the offense and do all that, but he's also going to teach the defense hey the offense is trying to do this right here so we got to kind of play this or do it this way and change your approach or put your mind into the offensive side of the ball and what to expect and I think that's what really good football teams do again I'll bring up New England for the second time in this segment the New England Patriots offense through Josh McDaniels and how great it's been throughout the years you know from everything I know was of course, there was a base there by Charlie Weiss and, and the Bill Parcells and the Giants and my father and those teams. But the other thing is, like, the offense grew to another level when Belichick got involved. And I think started to say things to Josh McDaniels like, I don't like when I play this defense and the offense does this to me. And then, of course, Josh McDaniels is like, well, let me write that down. Belichick doesn't like when I do that. So nobody else will either. And then you start to formulate offenses or game plans off of those conversations. So that's where I think it's going to be cool for Kevin O'Connell. And the other cool thing there that people might have noticed was he talked about, I hear this a lot from head coaches, where you think, hey, you're a head coach now. Isn't there a lot of pressure on you? Don't you got it? Oh, my gosh. 
Yeah, yeah. There's more BS and you know issues you got to deal with as far as a head coach, but at the same time, you're in control. And most of the ones I know like that, as Kevin O'Connell was explaining, he can set the schedule. He can call practice early. He can keep them out there a little longer. You know, he's in control. And I think there is some pressure taken off because of that control and that aspect there that uh, Kevin O'Connell was describing there in that segment. All right, we're going to regroup here, figure out our next moves, figure out how we're going to attack this next hour or so without Florio, who's probably got his head in a toilet right now. Uh, but let's not think about that too much. We'll be uh, we'll be back here, Pro Football Talk, uh, in a few minutes. Fortunately for me, it is just learning the defense. To be honest, because I've, I've I'm from here and I've been out here. I got family here. So really, the the difference from that standpoint was just me spending more time at the place that I already had versus, you know, being in Seattle. So I think the biggest adjustment is just, um, you know, learning the plays and things like that. And the biggest thing is getting used to the traffic again because <laughs> my, my commute was at most two to three minutes, uh, 10 tops in traffic. Out here, I'm probably traveling like 45 minutes you know, on a good day. Can't have it all. Can't have it all. Live in L.A., great life, sunny, all of that, and just think you're going to live next door to the facility. That's where it's a little different when you got to live in the big cities, no question. It's got to be a huge adjustment for for uh, um, Bobby Wagner. How could it not be? I mean, it, it, he is so ingrained. He is He is part of the Seattle culture. So for him to now go to a rival – you know, be in a different spot. Sure, you're from L.A., but it, I don't care who you are. When you've been in one place for that long, you're used to the routine, you walk into the building, you know, you know all the faces, you know your routine, you know where you're going, all of that. That's all out the window. I'm sure it's a huge life adjustment, let alone a little bit like we heard Eric Kendricks from the Minnesota Vikings the last segment. It's, it's a different adjustment on the field and, and, you know, schematics as far as what he has to do. Now, Raheem Morris' defense is very multiple. He can really kind of go any way he wants. That's the one thing he's shown the last two years, whether it was last year with the, you know, the last two years of the, Ram, or the Rams or the year before that with the Atlanta Falcons, that he's capable of kind of, oh, we, we got to play 4-3, we got to play 3-4. It doesn't matter. He's been around enough coaches to learn both systems and be uh, a little all over the place that way in a good way. And Bobby Wagner, on the other hand, you know, really – was part of a defense that for for as far as like X's and O's go in the NFL, pretty simple for the most part of his career. Seattle tried to change it up a little here the last two years, and they've gotten away a little bit from the Seattle scheme, but that's still what they do. It's what they've been based on. So now he's, yeah, he's he's having to go through a huge learning curve there. Rams, hey, they lost Von Miller. We know that. We'll see what happens with OBJ, but Damn, the Rams are still going to be a really good football team. They're well coached. They got talent at all the right positions, and and I, I just don't see them going anywhere. Now, the next thing I want to hit on here, uh, Bobby Wagner. He talked about Raheem Morris a little bit. Let's 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 uh, take a look at that clip, and we'll react after that. It's been great. I think the the biggest thing too is you know he came from the system that I came from. You know he's been a part of of that that Seattle quote unquote defense, and so. 
you know, he's made the transition that I'm making. And so, you know, we're able to kind of talk about certain terminologies. He, he's able to break down um, the defense in a way that I can understand because we're coming from, you know, basically speaking the same language. You know, he just obviously has a year, a couple of years, you know, before me. And so I think that's been great. I, he's a, you know, fun guy to be around. The meetings are fun every single day, uh, makes everybody laugh. And so between those two things, it's been great. Language. Language is the key word there. And then language and, and what Bobby Wagner is referring to there is what makes a transition easier. Because, again, you know, it, it's, it's about as you learn, you know, for, for 11 years, Bobby Wagner was calling, you know, one coverage, one thing, or the rules were, you know, oh, well, okay, I, 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 it was this phrase. And now he's going to a new place where, whoa, the rules are different and we're doing using different words to explain some of these rules that I've got ingrained in my brain for so long. And to have a coach there like Raheem Morris who can kind of take you through it and go, wait, you, you know, you used to call it this. Hey, remember you used to call it this? Well, we call it that. And I think that does go a long way to kind of compartmentalizing and being able to go, okay, all right, wait, you know, this is red. It was, it was red in Seattle. They call it blue here in L.A., all right, I, I got it. Okay, and I can, I can. He starts to make that transition in his brain. So that's where it's going to be interesting, and especially. Hey, listen, this day and age in the NFL, 2022, defenses are doing a lot. Uh, you can't just be playing one scheme the whole game. This is why we we're seeing like you can play the Seattle scheme, sure, but you better have like one of the most talented defenses in football to do that. And that, that's that's a tough the tough thing to to say that my team's that talented we could just play this and not trick you or do anything. The Rams don't play that way. They have that in their pocket if they want to. He talked about Raheem Morris came from, of course, Dan Quinn and the Atlanta Falcons that ran the Seattle scheme, so he understands that. But they do a lot more than that. All you got to do is go back and watch the Super Bowl. I mean, the Rams were, I mean, they ran 9,000 different defenses in that football game. Different fronts, people lining up in different spots. 3-4 one play with linebackers on the outside of the edge. The next play, it's, you know, 4-3-ish. And, oh, now it's a bare front. So he's got a learning curve there for sure. And he's the quarterback of the defense. So that's where it's really important for him to really understand it so he can just rattle it off in the heat of the moment. That'll be big for him. I don't have any doubt that he'll get there at some point this spring or early training camp and it'll be like riding a bike from that point on. But right now, yeah, he's having to go through it, and I'm sure a little stress with a different life and learning a lot you know, on a daily basis as far as this new defense is concerned. All right, that's it. We're going to take a, take a few minutes. Oh, wait, what's she saying there? Okay, yep. And All right, so we're going to take a little break, uh, recalculate, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the Bills and their effect on that community up there in Buffalo. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
All right, Chris Sims, what's up? You saw the little Chris Sims on button logo right there. All right, Florio's not here for anybody just tuning in. He has his head in a toilet somewhere. He's not feeling well. He, Him and his wife were not feeling well in the middle of the night. He tried to gut it out. He's not here. All right, I know I teased about talking about the Bills. We'll get to that a little later in the show. I lied. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. We're, we're, we're going on the fly here. It's two-minute drill. Somebody just brought the Will linebacker free safety blitz, and we got an audible and do some things here. All right, so we're in a little bit of trouble. So what we're going to do is we're going to play some clips from Chris Sims on Button yesterday and some of my quarterback talk, and here you go. now is more cameras walking around staring at me. I don't care. I just want to play football. Yeah, I want to win a Super Bowl this year. <laughs> oh yeah, what's up everybody? It's Chris Sims. It's Chris Sims on Button episode 373. It's Monday. I don't know the exact date. Don't ask me. It's just Monday somewhere in the middle of May. And Ahmed Farid is here mm-hmm. once again to drive the ship off after a long weekend, hard-working weekend. But I know you're energized now. I am. Detroit, we open, we're opening with Detroit a lot here, all right? I'm mean, talking about Super Bowl. Super Bowl. And Jamal Williams talking about hard knocks, and he doesn't yeah. give a about the cameras in yeah. his face. He doesn't give a if you All just right? heard that yeah. that soundbite too, the beginning of it, yeah. you would not know if the podcast is beginning or if it was like some evil character in a cartoon. No, you're it was right. kind of a you, weird. You really wouldn't know. And then when you would turn it on, you'd go, and if you're watching on YouTube, you'd be even more confused because you're like, wait, is the guy that's hosting the show? Does he work for the Washington Commanders? Is there? <laughs> oh, this is the day they're doing the Chris Sims Top Forty yeah. list. So maybe Chris has a a commander on the on the <laughs> list today. Because you're, you're very dressed for a commander-like football today. It's almost identical to the colors, isn't it? I didn't realize that until you just said it. I looked at myself at the monitor, and I look exactly like a commander. You're like the old, you're like the old Washington team in the 70s when they yeah. had those, like, the mustard yellow pants and all that. Yeah. You're like Sonny Jurgensen in that team back in the day. <laughs> what did I do here? Uh, I kind of like the combo, though. All I right. do, too. It goes could be, well. Could be a good year for them, so, you know, I might wear it again. Well, we're hoping good things for your Lions. That's yep. going to happen. Yep. Commanders, yeah, they're kind of one of those teams where you go, you can kind of see it going either way. I love the Commanders' yeah, color scheme. So The colors are good. A, so Don't yeah. be offended. So the fact that I all. duplicated one of them yes, here today, right, right. of all of them to duplicate, that was good. Now, you're doing good, though? I mean, Ahmed I'm doing good. he was pregame baseball yesterday. Yep. Atlanta, I was yeah. in Atlanta for a really good game. We were two for two on Peacock so far right. with our baseball games. Two really good games. First one in Fenway. Yesterday we were in Atlanta. Right. Which, by the way, in Atlanta, yeah. what a cool park. Yeah. I had not been there. I'd never been there built either. Built it in 2017. Right. They built this whole property. It's kind of outside the city so yeah. they could build and build on the stadium. Sure. So they told me that at the World Series last year, for one of the games, they had 40,000 people inside the stadium. Yeah. And then they had another 60,000 people all around the stadium. Wow. And like restaurants they built. Yeah. Big park areas with big screen TVs. It's a cool complex. So it's a, you can go there and hang out for the day. and Yeah, and, 100%. Yeah, that's cool. Even yeah. when there's not a game there, there's right. enough stuff to do around the stadium. There is. Yeah, so. that seems to be the new thing in professional sports is to build something around these stadiums that keeps the crowds coming to these restaurants or whatever else. Well, what, it's what you need, too, because the worst thing is if you build a stadium hoping that comes, right. which I think some teams have done, like the Marlins have done that in Miami, yeah. Yeah. and then they don't build up around it, then yeah. you just got a ballpark that no it one just, hangs around yeah, it. There's You're not right. a game. It's just empty, right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, like, uh, give me the the like 
extra innings. You yep. made the flight. Everything was good. I, yeah, I made the flight. You made the flight. You know right. me. I'm a nervous Nelly. All you right. know me. So well, I didn't know. Sometimes I schedule, they cut it close. So. I don't do that. Yeah. I don't. I, I had a 7 o'clock flight, so right. that game could have gone 25 innings, and okay. I still would have made my flight. Right. But there were That's people. That's where you and me are different. I, I don't get how you do that. Yeah. Like, aren't you sweating the whole time? Like, the game's going into overtime. You're just like, oh, I might not make I, it. Uh, yeah, I would. But, man, it's worth the roll of the dice to me to get home, like, three hours earlier. Yeah. I just, I'm like, yes. Is but a then yes. what happens if you miss your flight? Are you screwed? You yeah. have to stay overnight and I'm sometimes? Off and I'm cursing out the world and saying, what the f*** did I do to deserve this? <laughs> that bothers me. Yeah, so yeah, I don't it's want a tough that. one. I hear you. You're, you know taking, that, the safe, you're taking the safe bet. Because I don't curse. So yeah. what am I supposed to do in that moment? You're taking the safe bet. I am. You're good. Yeah. That's why you're good and you're responsible better for points bet and everything else. Uh, Pete says we have a photo. So if you're watching on a. Oh, look at that guy. <laughs> look at him. <laughs> Got my favorite blue pants on. Why am I standing like that? I don't. You must be mid walk. So I, I like was mid walk. I got Matt my. Matt Casey sent this to me, too. Matt Casey sent this, our, uh, right. our other producer extraordinaire. Uh, leading the ship here, uh, so he, this was that was where we were. We were outside the ballpark, yeah. finding a restaurant because right. he's out there helping producing right. uh, the the pregame Tottenham show. Tottenham Spur, yeah, Hot Spur, whatever the hell they are. Yeah, the the, the, the Hot Spur. Yeah, uh, maybe an illegal T-shirt. It's a there's it's, a little bit of a stomach going yeah, on there. Well, What's up yeah, with that? Yeah. I think if you raised your hands above your head too, oh. we'd see belly button. If it's I an did illegal that, t-shirt. if I did that now too, I don't, yeah, maybe. It I got be close. I got broad shoulders, so that kind of makes it. Harder yes, to, uh, right. to get there. So we. So I would cool. love to talk about this yeah. more. Well, we'll talk about it. Except that my belly was sticking out, and I'd like to get off that subject. Yeah, right. You know what I command right now? What do you command? That we begin the 2022 Chris Sims Top 40 Quarterback Countdown. I grant your wish. <laughs> this is here big. We go. This is big. Big day here. This is how you know the draft is over. We yes. got a little lull between training camp and all right. that stuff. And so right. how do we fill the time? Well, we... We degrade we, we some quarterbacks. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we asked Chris to uh, put himself out there again for internet hate, yes. which will certainly happen once again. But uh-huh. we always do a do a good job of trying to explain your reasoning. Yep. And that's really the exercise here, right? Yeah. It's like the numbers are one thing, and they, they are where you think they are and talent-wise. But we're trying to have conversations about where these quarterbacks are at right it's now with easy. all these teams. Right. Exactly right. It's not easy. You know, again, I'm not sitting here and saying what I write, you know, is, should be in stone and should be the letter of the law. You know, but I, I, I do love this. And, you know, I put my life and soul into this a lot. You know, so I'm a guy that with some of these close ones, hopefully you can listen to and go, oh, Chris made sense. That makes sense. Chris does this for a living. I get why you say that. I'm here to be that guy that mean nitpick between the fourth and fifth quarterback and tell you exactly why, or 38 and 37, and do that. So, uh, yes, it's not an easy exercise. There's a lot of good quarterbacks in the NFL. There's a lot of guys in certain areas where you go, oh, my gosh, these five, six quarterbacks, they're all the same guy. How am I really going to differentiate between them? Mm-hmm. I'm big into this. All right, There's four categories that I'm big on. All right. And, and yeah, I don't know if I've ever really kind of said this because yeah. I, I, I broke it down more through this lens this year. Okay. Talent, physical talent. Right. That's the number one thing. You Throwing know? and running. Throwing and running. Taking both of those into account. That's part of the game right now in 2022 NFL. No doubt about it. Um, the next thing, thing would be the mental aspect. Decision making. Going through reads. You know, how much of the playbook can you handle? All of those type of things. Certainly huge as far as the success of the quarterback. Third would be leadership. And leadership is huge. Of course it is. You know, the effect you have on the football team, their belief, 
whether it's through the season lens, the game lens itself, the effect you have on the team every day in practice, right? Tom Brady's got all that stuff, let alone he's also like, hey, I, I got a cool play here. Let me add this to it. That's great. It's unreal leadership. It's hard to compete with that. And then the last one to me would be pocket presence. I think mm. because there is something to that. You know, there's the physical ability, right? But I'm not going to put that in the pocket presence. I'm going to give that his own thing. So those four things to me are really the way I break it down. Of course, I'm not in the room, in the meeting room with some of these guys. I don't know all of them. I know a lot of them, and I know a lot about them. Um, but that's really kind of how I try to break it down. So you talk to a lot of people in the NFL. you got to know a lot of smart people in the NFL. Yep. Do you lean on them at all to None. make this list, or is this all you? No, this is all me. This is all me, and um, anytime I did a draft, I mean, here, you know, I mean, just to be transparent, what, I mean, I'm on draft seven or eight. This is all I did the last few days. Don't hold that up like Jerry so, Jones did with yeah. his draft board. I got, uh, I got seven draft. I have eight drafts total of these. And I sent, like, Pete and Matt Casey, you know, every time I had a new one, I take a picture, I send it to them, have some conversations on there. Mm-hmm. The only person I converse with this at all really is my father. Just to pick his brain, he might say a few thoughts. The big thing is not even that I really want to listen to him all the time. He makes a point, and I go, "Oh, damn, that's you, you know what? You're right. You, that was the tiebreaker right there." Mm-hmm. No, but the biggest thing is, as you've heard me say, is talking it out. Yep, you gotta talk it sometimes because you don't even with some of these close ones. You're like, man, I, I don't know who to pick here, and then you start having a conversation, and then you start it starts to reveal itself. So that's right. where I'm great with my dad, and he bounces things off of me there as well. So how many quarterbacks? Yeah. Before we get to number 40, yeah. we're in contention for oh, top 40. That's the, that's the hardest part of the exercise here. All right, so because first off, my number one fear of this is making a list and going, oh, <laughs> I forgot that this guy's a free agent or whatever. Oh, sure. Or somebody. I, Cam Newton one year. It was two years ago. Pete will tell you. He got to the list and he goes, you know, Cam Newton's on here. And I went, oh, shit. I forgot Cam Newton. And we were at number one, so we had to make him <laughs> oh, yeah, number one. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and Mahomes didn't make the list. So, as you know, yeah, I sent him that screenshot of that first draft, and I was like, oh, shit, I forgot him. So that's the first thing I do is I got to go through each roster. Yeah. I write down all the quarterbacks' names. I look at the free agency. Go, and then I go, okay, now, let me. who can I cancel off? Who's, who, who do I know for sure is not in the top 40? All right, so I start to cross names off that way. Then... Now the names that I have left, I write them all down. What I basically got down to, to answer your question finally here, is basically 48 names that okay. I got to where I went, mm. for all, these 48, I think you could, you know, if somebody had one of them 40, I wouldn't go, oh, you're stupid. But that's where I had to get, you know, into the weeds a little bit with that. I think there was 48 that came down to 40. Then I canceled it down to about 45. Ultimately, I think I was down to like 42 where I was like, ooh, okay, who am I going to leave? All right, boom, and here we are with the top 40. So we'll probably share the honorable mention as we go because I think some reveal themselves. Right, Pete? Isn't that the best way to do it usually? Because I think, yeah, we don't want to do it right now. We'll we'll, we'll kind of go. But I wrote down my three. I had 43 versus the my tough number. Okay. There you, I All got right. it right here. All right. So those three yeah. that missed the list are probably going to be some fan bases. You know, how could you leave this <sighs> guy off the list? There definitely could be right? in this. And yes, you wouldn't be. Yes. Yeah, so they were tough three to leave off. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Pete says, sorry, sorry, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, no, Jalen Hurts is on here. He was left Spoiler. off last year. Yes, he was. So we have a new saying here. It used to be there are 20 top 10 wide receivers. <laughs> now there are 48 top 40 quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, right, maybe right. 43 when you get really down to it. All right. So let's begin. Let's you ready? It. Let's kick it off. Let's do it. Mr. Irrelevant, oh, as Pete calls it. You. 
But you made the list. Yes. Number 40. We'll kick it off in the Sims Top 40 quarterback countdown is? Is Drew Locke, Seattle Seahawks. That will be the quarterback number 40. Like Drew Locke a lot, Amon. There's things to like about his game. First off, I mean, you and I have discussed him a lot through the years here. There's real talent to the player. I mean, there really is. There's The talent of the player is better than 40, all right? The talent of that guy right there, he has the type of talent to be in the top 18, top 15. He really does. But playing the position is not, he's not great at it yet. You know, that, to me, the biggest reason he's at 40 is because he just, for lack of a better way to say it, he's not in the trust tree. You can't trust him. You can't trust him with decision-making, taking care of the football, and that's, to me, the piece we're still missing with Drew Locke. Over-aggressive decision-making at times. Why are you fitting that ball down the field into that tight window? Take the underneath one. You know, Some silly decisions with just being careless and turning the ball over that way. It's consistency is the issue with Drew Locke. We see snippets. I've seen snippets the last three years ago. Ooh, oh, ooh, it looks good. He's he. This it could be coming. He might be taking over here soon. But it just never quite gets there. And it is. It's a little bit all over the place when you break him down with decision making. Sometimes inaccurate throws. Or you go, you're, you're too good to miss that throw. And then taking care of the football. Certainly, I think all those aspects is a guy that's got a higher ceiling than forty for sure. But right now, I can't put him any higher than that because I don't really know what to expect out of him when you get him on the field. Yeah, the one year he really started, 2020, right. started 13 games, yep. led the league with 15 interceptions, 16 touchdowns, and then last year just started the three games, fell out of the trust tree for the Denver Broncos exactly last right. year, fell out of your trust tree there too. Yes. And I think now's a good time as you take a look at his, his stats the last or the first three years of his career, if you're watching on Peacock or YouTube. You know, I think it's good to clarify here now. You know, he's got a different situation now, which we'll talk about in a second. Yes. But it's not about, your list is not about, it's like, oh, now he's in a good spot, and so now his production's going to go up. up. No. It's not, it's not about production. No. It's not, you're not projecting production no. at all here. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, proje- I'm trying to, uh, where they're at right now as people and as players right now, right? And within that, Am I trying to balance some projection growth there that I've seen through my experience of the years in the NFL? My experience with this is that the players, top-end rookie quarterbacks, that I have not projected them up enough to go, man, there's great growth that goes on between year one and year two. And even though I'm not in the building there to see it, I know more times than not, the Mahomes and the Burrows and those guys of the world go from rookie year, maybe being the 30th quarterback, to, oh, they're top 10-ish. And really, one of my things, that I, if I look back at years past where I've been a little wrong, is I haven't projected the big-time players kind of making that leap hmm. to me to the extent. And, and it's hard because, of course, you know, when you do it, like Mahomes going into his first year, I think I made him there somewhere in the 20s, and people go, you're f***ing crazy. Guy played one game his rookie year. You're telling me he's, you know he's better? Well, yeah, my experience, what I've heard, studying, watching that one game, what he was coming out in the draft, yeah, that's why I'm here to do this, to hopefully be the guy that goes, hey, he's smart. He's been here and done this. I'm not saying I'm right all the time, but, I, yeah, to project that growth a little bit. Yep. But this is not that. We, kinda, we know what this guy is to a degree. Yes, it's a different situation, certainly. He's going to have less talent around him here than he did in Denver. Oh, right? he's got DK Metcalf. He's got DK. 
I know, but as a whole, I think yeah. as I would still probably sure. have gone Denver last year. Got it. As all, they're all their weapons That's in, interesting included. Th- That's interesting to think um, about. I know. Yeah. I know. It's close. You're right. As I started to say, I, went, eh, maybe, I mean, Lockett and Metcalf are really damn good. But some people might think that, you know, yeah, you got Lockett and Metcalf. You, yeah. you bump them up a little bit because he's got better receivers. No, it's not about that. This no. is a generic team, an average We're team, exactly all quarterbacks right. on the same We're team, all same exactly talent. Right. Yes. Exactly right. Exactly right. Exactly right. Thank you for finally saying that last point. All right. So having said that, yes. um, Drew Locke is going to be in a little uh, quarterback battle. Definitely. Here. You're right. With um, a guy that people just disrespect. Geno Smith. Yes. Well, was he disrespect? I mean, are we going to get to Geno Smith? Geno Smith, Smith that- is coming up in the list. He is ahead of Drew Locke. I'm not sorry. I've, I've spoiled the list. You can just cancel out. Don't listen to the next 20 episodes. <laughs> no, I, I, was, I was curious. <laughs> yes, Because I did is. not expect that. I, he, Geno Smith has this, and we'll get to it at the time, yes. just has this perception around him because of the Giants and Jets stuff that is just not fair totally. It's just not, hmm. and we'll address it at that time. But sure. that'll be a good competition, certainly. And Geno Smith, as Pete Carroll said last week, is in the leader house for sure. He's got experience there. He played pretty well there last year. He knows the offense there. And, you know, Geno, switches, Geno Smith, like Drew Locke, is no slouch. There's real physical, tangible talent there to where you go, ooh, you know, if they finally it does all line up right, they, these guys could be you know substantial starters in the NFL for a while. And it seems like part of the knock on Drew Locke maybe, yeah, you know, immaturity. Can he be a leader of a team? I, I'm exactly right. I think there's all of that. So you you've heard like you know what I tell you, hey, physical talent, great, mental aspect, not sure about, leadership aspect, not sure about, you know. Lost a job to a guy last year who has less talent than he does, but has the other things that we're talking about that we're questioning with Drew Locke. And then you had a defensive coach in Vic Fangio, like a Pete Carroll, who was all into it. I just want consistent and the guy not going to screw the game up. Mm-hmm. And we'll kind of play it through our defense, right? And Drew Locke, as Vic Fangio, I think probably was justified when Drew Locke got in last year and went, I don't trust him. And then when he got in, Baltimore game comes in relief, bad interception. Chargers game play there. There was some bad interception. They ended up winning the football game. But nonetheless, I think it proved to Vic Fangio, like, oh, yeah, see, this is why I didn't start him. I don't trust what this guy's going to do with the ball all the time. Right. All yeah. right, so yeah. so there it is. Drew Locke is 40, and if Drew he doesn't Locke like that, if he doesn't like that, win the job and prove that he's made That's some right. steps. He's made That's some, right. some make progress. Me, make, me, make, me, make me talk about you different. All right, we're back. There's Florio. We got live footage of Florio right now. Look at him. He's running to the bathroom. We're not sure what he's doing. Oh, yeah, Florio bailed after 15 minutes today. That's all right. He was not feeling well, so it is Chris Sims flying solo here for the last 25 minutes of this football show. All right, Pro Football Talk Live, and we're going to get right into the Chris Sims Top 40 Quarterback Countdown. As you can see right there, we got 33 through 40. All right, love the engagement. Anybody want to hit me up on social media, whatever, you know where to find me. We can talk about it. I'll explain. Please ask questions. I love that. But we are going to get to quarterback number 32 on this list right here. And let's start it right now. All right, there I am, evil evil Roger Goodell, as Gloria would say, Sam Darnold. That's right, Sammy D. All right, Sam Darnold, quarterback of the Carolina Panthers, who as of right now is the starter. It's going to be interesting. Matt Corral has got incredible talent down there. 
He's going to have a stronger arm, uh, probably a quicker release. He's an incredible athlete, quick feet, all of that. So that'll be one to watch. It really will be. And the fact that Corral was drafted in the third round, I think, kind of changes it too. There's not as much pressure on the situation because he's a third-round quarterback. And it's kind of one of those things that I said to Warrior the other day, like, look, we got this guy in the third round. We got a, a diamond in the haystack. All right, but as far as Sam Darnold is concerned, hey, there's some things to like about Sam Darnold. It wasn't the greatest situation there in Carolina. We know that. We got to take that into account. Not the best offensive line. McCaffrey got hurt. Sure. Joe Brady, anybody that's been watching me. I mean, the offense, it lacked diversity. There was a lot of repeat play calls. It was kind of easy to figure out what they were doing. All right. But Sam Darnold, good athlete in the pocket. Let's just start off right there. There are some physical tools to talk about when you hit Sam Darnold. And I think when we look at some of his tape here, we've got some plays here to kind of show that. You know, first off, he's got a pretty quick release. There's no doubt. And he's got some quick feet as well. You can see here, readjusting in the pocket, gets the ball up and out of his hands in a hurry. Throws a nice deep ball to Robbie Anderson here. Now, early in the season, was running around. Had like five, six touchdowns rushing the first three games. There, on the run, you can see he can make some moves and move in the pocket. You can't just totally say, oh, he can't run or do anything. But here's the problem with Sam Darnold, and a big problem, yes, it was with the Jets, and it's still in his system here with the Carolina Panthers. The decision-making, seeing the field, is an issue with Sam Darnold. That's the problem. That's a big problem. And that reared its ugly head a lot through last year. You know, So doesn't see the field the way you should at times because of that. Misjudges as far as where he can put the ball or where he should throw the ball. I think he felt the pressure of the situation a little bit at times and tried to force the ball at times as well, and that was an issue, all right? And, yes, because of that, man, there's people he's missed. You know, here he's rolling out to the left, you know, again, and just an errant throw, pick six, and there was a lot of this throughout the year with Sam Darnold. So, Sam Darnold, you saw some of the good, you see some of the recklessness and bad there, all right? There's some things to like, and... I still think Sam Darnold can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Carolina's got to help him. He's got to help himself, too. This is one thing I'll say about Sam Darnold that really always jumps out to me. And if anybody's listened to me in the past, I've said this. He's quick release. He's accurate. 5, 8, 12 yards. Boom, boom, boom. But here's the one thing and why I do have him at 32. Because his talent, another guy on this list where I'd go, his talent is above 32. It's just we got to refine the position, take advantage of all that's to be there. You know, see the field better. Don't throw stupid interceptions, right? And that's still, you know, something they're working on there in Carolina. But the number one thing I will say, too, and I've said this for a few years with him, and it when I went back and watched, you know, most of his throws from last year, way too many big power explosive throws, going to change field position, going to change the dynamic of the football game, missed. Just too many of them missed. Whether it's go routes where Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore are open and they beat him and he doesn't give him a chance to catch the ball, you know, post routes underthrown, you know, deep crossers, things like that, you know, just the, 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 they, there's too many of them missed. Oh, it's third and five and there's a 20 yard out route. He's wide open. We sail it over his head. I think that's the thing that maybe frustrates me more than anything as far as that. And, you know, also, too, not a lot of different arm angles or anything of that way either. It's pretty much the same release, throw after throw. So that's where Sam Donald's 32. But, again, he's a guy that I do look at and go, eh, if he puts it all together and understands to play the position a little cleaner, 
he could be significantly higher than this, you know, this time next year. He was a tough one. There's no doubt about it. All right. That good there, Courtney? You ready to move on to number 31 here? All right, here we go. We're going to number 31. This is going to be a doozy. All right. You know what time it is. It's Trey Lance time. Trey Lance may be the hardest guy to place on this whole damn list. I don't know what what to say. Huge, huge physical ability. Big-time arm. Can throw the ball through a brick wall. Can throw it a country mile down the road. Good athlete. We know that. But the quarterback play, as we know it, the traditional stuff. And again, I know this is a different you know, age as far as what we expect at quarterbacks. All right? But this, is, this goes beyond like, hey, he's a good athlete. And still, there's, there's a rawness factor here that I just can't, I can't put him any higher than this as of right now in, in good conscience or from what I've seen. You know, now he's with the 49ers. They're a good football team. I fully expect him to be the starting quarterback. Shanahan's going to know how to make it work and and really show us and, and build an offense around his strengths and he'll he'll limit the things he doesn't do that well altogether. But I think the thing is with Lance, one, there are some mechanical issues in the way he throws the ball that scares me. All right, that'd be the first thing I would say. Two, there's not a little a lot of diversity in the type of throws he makes. Doesn't throw great spirals. It's a hard ball to catch at times, and and you know, sometimes lacks touch. And the biggest thing is lacks, lacks accuracy. You know, you go back and watch him last year. Hey, it, it was a struggle to get to 50% every game. And, of course, I mean, Shanahan just serves up plays on a silver platter. Shanahan had to call silver platter type of plays in almost every game to just get them back to 50% by the end of the football game. So there's big-time potential here. But do I have my question marks? Obviously. And the one thing that I came back to, too, is so many of his big plays that make his stats look better, I mean, are this. Are what I call Shanahan specials. I'm going to get a guy so wide open, anybody off the street can hit him. And, and, and so there was a lot of that. We see there's some raw power here in the arm. No doubt. I mean, that's an impressive throw into a tight window. There is, but... I can also show you a few throws just like that that are off target or, you know, thrown too hard and the ball bounces in the air and almost becomes an interception. But again, here again, moving to the left, kind of fading away. Wow. I mean, hits a guy 12 yards down the field with his body going in the wrong direction. I mean, yes, there's something tangible here to his physical physical ability. And this is, again, where I think, you know, they can make it work even without him being totally, you know, greased up as far as our traditional quarterback play this is Kyle Shanahan he made he made Nick Mullins look like he was a bona fide future starting quarterback for every team in football for like half a season so he's gonna make it work with Trey Lance and of course the running and this is one of the best teams in football they're a Super Bowl team but they're not gonna just make it all about the quarterback and have to ride him all the time but the one thing as I said a lot of the big throws and big plays or Shanahan specials, you know, reading the field, seeing the field. Hey, of course it's a work in progress, and I understand that. He's a rookie. But the thing that I, I will go back to is the accuracy, and I'm just – I'm not sure it's going to get fixed. I'm not. Again, I have not really seen a great quarterback in the history of the NFL with the motion that Trey Lance has. I haven't. Kind of dips his body, then comes up really hard. The ball never spins. You know, there's never a spiral – and 
forget the incompletions. The part that concerns me as well is the completions. A lot of the completions are miracle catches of, whoa, that guy went back this way. Whoa, he caught it this way. Whoa, he went to the ground and caught it there. So that's some of the stuff I need I need to see refined a little bit before I can like say, oh, okay, wait, I see some of this stuff, and then there's the potential. You know, again, he'd be ranked significantly higher if there was a little more polish and understanding. But you saw there, moving up in the pocket, threw the ball six feet over the the receiver's head, like not even close. Here again, not a great decision, but no chance with that throw. And there's just a lot of evidence just like that. And that's where I just got to see some growth there before I can make him any higher. He was a really tough, tough uh, grade for me or a rank for me, Trey Lance, because again, it's it's it's. Weight raw, really learning, got some issues mechanics and decision-making-wise and things I don't love about throwing. But on the other side, it's, whoa, his arm is powerful. Damn, he's athletic. And I know he's got some charisma and leadership to him as well. And he's being coached by Kyle Shanahan. So we'll see where this goes. But for right now, he is 31. And I feel pretty strong about that as compared to some of the guys you'll see further up on the list. But don't be shocked if he makes a huge jump. All right. Here we go. Now we're going to switch gears. All right. That was Chris Sims' top 40 quarterback rankings. Now we're going to get to a little bit of like which what doesn't belong and why. And first, we're going to hit, hit the freak of nature. The freaks of freaks. I mean, I, the guy is clearly one of – forget like, you know, in the conversation with the best player in the NFL, best quarterback in the NFL, all those things. He's hands down one of the, the best physical freaks of the NFL. If people saw this guy in person, all right, 6'5", I mean, 245, and doesn't have to lift a weight to be 245 or anything. I mean, look, look at this. I mean, that ball is, like, crushed. I mean, it's like, don't look. Steph Curry hit a 40-footer and just turned around. Boom, splash. Uh, Josh Allen is a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete who can beat you a lot of different ways, and uh, that that there was at the Micah Hyde charity softball event. Cool thing. Hey Buffalo, did, did they, are they? Is there a team that's better with charity than the Buffalo Bills and and that group right there? All right, here we go. Which doesn't belong and why? I don't have Mike Florio here to do this, but here's the first one. We got three guys here: Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson. These are you know current Super Bowl winning quarterbacks who were drafted by Major League Baseball. All right, we got, oh, man, Kyler Murray, Jason, Jameis Winston, also drafted by the MLB. But, all right, the guy I'm going to go with as far as Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, which one doesn't belong and why? I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with Tom Brady doesn't belong. Why? One, he's like the GOAT and kind of in a different stratosphere than the other two guys as far as Mount Rushmore, uh, Mount Rushmore you know, stars in our country. And Brady has reached a level that – not even Mahomes or Russell Wilson are got yet at yet, but also I'll just say, hey Brady, I know a a good athlete, but like Mahomes and Wilson, I could really see them being like a top tier baseball player. You know, can play the field and be really special there. I mean, they're great movers that way. They really are. Brady pitcher, you know, I don't know. I can't see Brady running around at shortstop or second base or center field and really running down a whole lot of fly balls or grounders through the hole. Mahomes and Russell Wilson, I could see that. But I'm sure Brady can hit the ball for sure because hitting has a lot of the same similarities as throwing a football. You can see here it's natural. And then 
I could, of course, see him being a phenomenal pitcher. I mean, Brady, his arm doesn't get enough credit. Brady's arm, as I will say, as long as I can, is one of it, – it's it's an all-time arm. You know, it's, it's great arm. It's still a great arm. He's still throwing lasers around the field. So, I'll go with Brady there. You see him there doing a little BP at the Boston Red Sox game. All right, next one. Which doesn't belong and why? Daniel Jones, Tua Tagovailoa, or Jalen Hurts? Hmm. I think the one I'm going to go with, and then these are guys, these are quarterbacks. Sorry, I should have done this a little bit better. These are quarterbacks entering make or break seasons of 2022, which doesn't belong and why? Daniel Jones, Tua, Jalen Hurts. I'm going to go Jalen Hurts here. All right, and I'm I'm just kind of digesting this here as I look at it as well. I'm going to go Jalen Hurts because I think he's the guy. Maybe I think he's the guy on the most solid ground right now as far as these guys are concerned. Tua, hey, I know they want to make it work and they're trying to do it all, but you're crazy to think that everybody's skeptical. Everybody, Dolphins, I don't you know other than Tua on. Everybody is skeptical about whether that's going to work, even with the talent and how good of a player can he ultimately be. Daniel Jones, the same thing. You know, he doesn't even have the, quite the same support Tua does ha- has in Miami. And if you were watching Chris Sims on Button earlier, I kind of explained this. You know, yes, you know, there's it, it's shaky. I believe in Daniel Jones. He has had no support around him. He's had the worst offensive line in football, no doubt. And it's been a lot of different coaches and coordinators that he's had to deal with. But, yes, am I sitting here? I mean, can you sit here and go, oh, yeah, he's on solid ground. He's definitely the future. They didn't give him a fifth-year option. This is a big year for him. He's got to prove it. Jalen Hurts, on the other hand, listen, we know there's questions, sure, but the team they have is phenomenal, all right? I think the coaching staff does believe in the man and the leader and the athlete, and they know there's some things he's got to work on with throwing and everything there. But also what's, I think, a little different is there's, there just seems to be, you know, the fan base in Philadelphia believes in Jalen Hurts. I, I guess that's where I think it's a little different. I know in Miami, Tuadon believes in it, but I don't think the whole fan base is sold that he's the future. So that's where I'll go with Jalen Hurts right now. Uh, and, you know, to that fact, you know, maybe compared to Daniel Jones and Tua as well, it's not going to be maybe as dependent on him beating teams or or beating the public perception with his right arm. Jalen Hurts, they're, they're going to have one of the best running games in football. There's no doubt. I don't need to see it or whatever. It's, it's the best offensive line in the game. They're going to be good at that. So he's not going to have that type of pressure to maybe always deliver with his right arm and throw it in the pocket. So I guess that's why he doesn't belong and why. All right, we're going to switch gears here. Here we go. We're going to go to Arthur Smith. All right, Arthur, Arthur Smith, he's made some good quotes here as of lately. And, you know, this is one thing I always say. Like, coaches aren't in on tanking. It, it, it gets put on their gravestone as far as, you know, what their record was. And, and people are asking Arthur Smith, and here's the quote. I'll read it. This is a waste of your time and my time if you want to talk about 2023. He doesn't want to hear it. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, that a team would try not to win football games. If you don't, there's going to be consequences, to Chris Sims's point. Yeah, you're going to get fired even though they're telling you to tank. Okay, you're at the top of the draft. I got it. But you're in a very transactional phase of the National Football League right now. Trades in the draft, trades for quarterback. I want to win. I have an urgency to win. I mean, Arthur Smith, I, I love his message always. I mean, he's kind of like Mike Vrabel. It's always tough and 
there's no wiggle room and we're pushing forward and there's no excuses or bullshit or anything like that. And I, that's where I do respect Arthur Smith, you know, and you know, ignorance is bliss. He's just going to keep coaching the team and we're going to be tough and that's where we're going to go. But I will say, I mean, first off, he did a phenomenal year last year. Phenomenal. Uh, they, they exceeded expectations. Seven and ten, that team. All right. And honestly, I think that team, that roster is worse. It's worse this year. So that's where I don't see Atlanta having a better year than last year. I do look at this as a transition year, rebuild, retool, however you want to phrase it. I know that Atlanta's not going to say that, but you can't sit here and like talk about the Atlanta Falcons and just go, oh, well, Marcus Mariota is definitely their future. They got that, and you know they're going to start to build the rest of the team around them. No, they got, they got issues across the board. I mean, they do. You know, you can look at the running back position and go, eh, nothing that that's special there. You know, receiver, they helped it out with Drake London, sure. But, damn, no Calvin Ridley. They've lost Russell Gage to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Offensive line, negative ghost rider. It's, it's towards the bottom of football in that category. Yeah, they got Kyle Pitts, freak show. Defense, hey, Grady Jarrett, yeah, like him. Not a lot of difference makers on that front seven, though. Deion Jones, still a good football player but lost their best middle linebacker, Aluquan, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Secondary, not a lot of special there either, other than A.J. Terrell. So that's where, you know, again, Arthur Smith, I think, is going to continue to get those type of questions because I think, like me and a lot of other people, Atlanta on paper ain't that impressive. And I think a lot of people are going, well, I don't know what the perspective you guys this year. So is this a a move for the future or something like that? Uh, So that'll be interesting. All right, so now here we go. Well, last thing of which which doesn't belong and why. Second-year coaches that had losing records in their first season. Arthur Smith, Robert Sala, Dan Campbell. Hmm. This one here, I'm going to go with Robert Sala and the New York Jets for this reason. Quarterback one. They got their quarterback. They got their future. It's year two. Can Zach Wilson make that leap that we've seen so many of the good quarterbacks make from that year one to year two where you start, you go, damn, he's good. Okay. You know, a la Josh Allen, say, you know, first year to second year. And I think second year he was 20 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. They went to the playoffs. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was awesome right away, but he was even better the second year. There's, there's no doubt about that. You know, um, Joe Burrow, of course, last year. And then I also look, as far as Robert Sala is concerned, to Dan Campbell, and I like a lot of the things the Lions do, have done in Dan Campbell. You know, I respect Arthur Smith, like I said. But Sala's, they got talent, the Jets. They're, it's young. I understand that. They're not battle-tested. But, again, there'd be another team I'd, I'd put a little asterisk, star next to to go, watch out. The Jets could surprise some people. I'm not expecting them to go to the playoffs. But do, can I, do I think they can maybe flirt with a 500 record? I do. I'm, I'm going to say that. They got a tough, tough division, an incredibly hard schedule for the third year in a row. All right, so that's going to play against them. But, damn, Zach Wilson, Brees Hall, Michael Carter, pretty good tight ends. Offensive line's going to be better as long as Makai Becton can be healthy. It's going to be actually really good. Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, holy crap, Batman. That's a pretty good offense. I don't, you know, and then defensively, hey, they were ravaged by injury last year. And they're going to be good on that side of the ball, too. You got Sauce Gardner and Jermaine Johnson in the second round. They got a lot of good other role players on the defensive front. 
You know, I think they address some of the needs with the secondary, so that's why I go with Robert Sala as far as which doesn't belong and why. All right. We're coming down the stretch here, all right? And uh, th- this is one I kind of find cool. I go a little, like, uh, social media here. Go to TikTok. The ambidextrous Mikey Gao. Go, Gao? I hope I'm saying that right. And this is unbelievable. I mean, it really is. Throwing both hands? Pretty natural with both, too. Like, as I, I mean, he's obviously more natural of a righty. But, damn, it's, it's not far off with the left. Kids getting recruited? I... It could be interesting. I want to see how this works. If if he can legitimately, I mean, the way it looks just from this video, like this kid might legitimately might be able to get in a college football game and run to his left and make legit throws to the left. And then the next play, run to his right and make legit throws to the right. Either way, you don't see a lot of quarterbacks that are capable of doing that, and especially not at this level. So that's kind of cool right there. And what is it? Notre Dame, Michigan, Oklahoma State, Nebraska. They're all looking at him. I'm sure they are. So we'll keep a look on, uh, uh, keep our eye out on this guy, right? The ambidextrous quarterback, Mikey Gal. He's going viral at footballism. All right. So that's a that's a really cool story. Story. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show today. I know it was a little all over the place. I hope you could, you know, stayed patient with us. All right, here on Peacock, we didn't expect Florio to be, you know, sick and. Uh, throwing up and, you know, not being able to to make it through the show. So we adjusted appropriately. Good job by everyone in the back throwing some Chris Sims on button on there. We made it work. And, again, you know, keep the interaction going with me, Florio. Send a lot of tweets to Florio making fun of him for probably throwing up right now. He's probably in the fetal position next to the toilet. That's where I'm picturing him. Uh, so that, that, to me, is kind of a cool, I don't know, image. And if you think, you know, we're pretty good. Our man EJ is good at openings, and he does a lot of cool graphics. We talk about him a lot. Wait, wait till you see Monday's opening. I can guarantee it's going to be good with Sir Sir Up Chuck-a-Lot over there, Mike Florio, throwing up. All right. All right, everybody. Florio should be back tomorrow. I don't know who he's doing the show with. I won't be here. It's my Friday. So peace out, everybody. See ya. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.